Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Mac and D podcast. How you doing, Jimmy D? I'm doing all right, man. I uh, I was actually sick Friday and Saturday, so those weren't the most fun for me. But um, feeling a lot better today. No, no more sore throat or anything like that. So, so it's a good day watching football and ready to ready to talk football now. Good to hear. I, I think what you what happened is you lost your superpower. You lost your mustache this week. I think that's exactly what happened. Yes, it immediately caused the sickness. It did, even though I, I didn't shave until yesterday. So I, it actually might have been the sickness, and I finally got it off of me. <laughs> it's the cure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went to the Texans game today, Texans Chargers, and we can kind of get into that game a little bit later. But the the number one takeaway is I saw four individual people all wearing Farb jerseys today. And I'm all about like, like just in, in solidarity or like what was the yeah like, to think like the government's going after him. My buddy and I, we were trying to figure out why you would wear that. Like it's either like, oh, that's the only jersey you owned and that's just what you decided to wear out and you just live under a rock and just like don't understand what's happening. Or you're just like, oh, I like stealing from welfare. And it's like, I, I don't know which one's worse. It was what Texans Chargers, right? So like no reason whatsoever to have a farm jersey on other than to your point really to show off how much you enjoy stealing welfare yeah i I don't know what is proud about stealing from poor people um i don't know how you could really think brett Favre is in the right given all the evidence that we have so far so that was a strange one not gonna lie but we kept just like looking around and it was like playing weirds waldo and we saw four separate people wearing farm jerseys it was pretty pretty incredible uh i don't know about you but i don't think anyone feels good about their fantasy team after this week it was just absolutely carnage (laughs) Yeah, this this one was rough. So unless I, I, I'm not even sure if you were like somehow like a Justin or like a maybe like an Eckler and Jared Goff owner or something, you're like, see, I knew what I was talking about. And then you had I mean, like who was a sleeper that did well this week or, or like a lower pick? Because, you know, like generally speaking, James Robinson's been doing well and he's been saving some teams, but that didn't happen this week. No, um, got none of the like, you know, top tier running backs did anything this week so you're not feeling great there yeah it was a very much so a redemption week for a lot of guys and like the guys that we had gotten used to being really good this season just kind of fell off a little bit so definitely an interesting one uh let's get into the injuries a little bit real quick uh so number one right off the bat is jonathan taylor who was very often the number one overall pick this off season um he went out at the end of the game um naeem hines got like a carrier two at the end uh, he had a really ineffective game, 20 carries for like 42 yards, and he ended up having a high ankle sprain. So um, how how do you think this affects his value going forward? And do you think he's kind of a trade target at this point? It'll, we'll have to hear more about how severe the injury is. So if it's, I mean, usually you think high ankle sprain means four to six. So if he's closer to the four and like there's really good news after one week that he's already making cuts and things like that then yeah he's definitely a trade target if it's more of the six like what you'd have to do to or what you would have to give up to get him might be far too great for the potential back-end success that you'll get from acquiring him um so it really have to be a, like you're four and oh right now and the person with jt is like one and three and they just need something and, and you're able to trade maybe a wide receiver two to get jt like maybe i would do that but it's it's just it's it's hard to tell with injuries because you know saquon had his high ankle sprain and i don't even know if he came back the entire season so it's like you know when these guys their entire job is making very hard cuts like having your ankles at 100 is pretty key to what they do 
Yeah, it's a really frustrating injury just because like it can literally last a week or it can like really, really linger later into the season. And also the Colts just don't really have a lot of backups. Like we'll get into some of the guys later on the pod, but it's Naeem Hines, who is a known entity, definitely more of a receiving back than he is a workhorse running back. And then the only other one is Deion Jackson, which like who the hell knows who Deion Jackson is. So unless they sign a free agent or something, like this is definitely a bit of a bleak backfield. And honestly, it's I think it's really going to affect their offense, just not having their number one weapon there anymore. They already looked really terrible today against the Titans. So this is definitely not a good outlook. So they, they looked bad enough with him. I can't imagine what the uh, the post JT air is going to look like here for a few weeks. Yeah. And the strangest thing is like Matt Ryan keeps putting up pretty decent stat lines. Like if you look at it, he had like 340 yards, say two touchdowns, one pick. But like they just like were never in this game. Like the final score is 24 17. They barely got it close at the end there. But like the, the Titans just completely outclassed him. It was a strange one. Yeah. I've, I've been watching a ton of Colts games, but I have a buddy that does. And I asked, like, what, you know, what's the deal? Like, what what is it that I'm not seeing with the Colts? And I guess Matt Ryan's lost like nine fumbles this year. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the stat that they don't always show. And like, that's just absolute killer. Yeah. So it's like every time he's getting sacked, he's fumbling the ball. Yeah, and it's kind of the old adage, too, with Matt Ryan. He just loves to spread the ball around. Like, today was the Mo Alley Cox day, which was super strange. We didn't get the normal Michael Pittman game. So uh, I think a lot of people are really fed up with the Colts at this point. And, and as a team, they're really struggling as well. Another team that really surprised today in terms of how bad they were and also had a major injury was the Broncos. They ended up losing to the 0-3 Raiders. Uh, we were really confused about that when we were doing Guess the Line because it was a 2-1 Broncos versus an 0-3 Raiders, yet the Raiders were favored. But clearly Vegas knew something about Vegas that we didn't know, and the Raiders ended up being on top. But in the meantime, the Broncos lost Javante Williams, their top running back. And Melvin Gordon had a pretty terrible fumble as well today, and he ended up kind of being in the doghouse. So um, definitely a running back situation to uh, monitor going forward. Uh, Javante Williams' injury is a knee injury. He was seen on crutches after the game. What do you think about this Broncos backfield going forward? This one hurts because I'm a Javante owner in one of my my paid leagues, which is like the worst thing to see is your second-round pick get injured. Uh, but what it means is anyone that has Melvin Gordon is just ecstatic, right? Like he, he just catapults into a, a true RB1 type workload. Uh, but I also think that means your Cortland Sutton and your or Jerry Judy owners are, are probably feeling pretty happy because they're, they're just going to have to throw the ball more. Uh, so I, I think you're going to see a lot more maybe like quick screen games or quick slants to kind of supplement the run, but they're not like it's, it's like the kind of run plays, but not really kind of, you know, it, it does the same effect. And, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that, especially – you know, this Broncos offense started to look like they were really figuring it out today, but their defense just for some reason really laid a goose egg, which was, I think, the surprising part there. So um, I think there's some some decent takeaways if, if you have a lot of these Broncos receivers because they were really throwing it pretty well. Russ finally looked decent, you know, two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown as well. So, um, yeah, I think you're feeling really good. You might even try to get like a Jerry Judy uh, if, if you can trade for him just because he, he might get more of those kind of intermediate to short targets. Yeah, Judy finally started looking a little bit better today. The whole passing offense for the Broncos finally started looking a little bit better. Uh, this is such a confusing backfield to me because it's Javante Williams up front. It's Melvin Gordon who had the fumble, as I mentioned, and it just doesn't seem like the Broncos have as much faith in him going forward. And then the third guy on the depth chart is Mike Boone 
which I don't know what it's a, what is going on with these like former Minnesota Vikings backup running backs, but they just kind of are like lingering around today. Latavius Murray had a good game today, and then Mike Boone, uh, who was kind of a hero for a lot of fantasy teams a few years ago, he's back around and he could have an opportunity here with this Denver Matt, offense. Madison had a touchdown today too. Yeah, yeah, he did. It was, it was every every Vikings handcuff ever did well today. Yeah, we'll see how Jared McKinnon does well tonight. But uh, yeah, also, that's a good note. We are recording during Sunday Night Football right now. So if something crazy happens during Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football, it's because we haven't been able to see it yet. So it really sucks to see for Javante. Uh, The replacement's going to be a little sketch there. And hopefully you just have someone on your bench that can end up uh, filling in for him. But I think Boone could end up being a a good pickup. We'll talk about that later in the pod. Another big injury was Rashad Bateman. Uh, he ended up having a cast put around his leg. Um, this happened fairly early in the Ravens game today and their loss to the Bills. Uh, who do you think is the main beneficiary of the Ravens going forward with the Bateman injury? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it would have to be Duvernay, right? I mean, that's kind of the next receiver up. Honestly, it might be J.K. Dobbins. He might be getting a ton of a lot more carries and a lot more of those kind of screenplays that he was he was getting today because Dobbins looked great today. I, I don't know why they stopped going to him in the in the second half. Like they were dominating, he was getting just nonstop touches in the first half, and they're like, "All right, let's do none of what we did in the first half that made us successful." <laughs> and it, it was just it was a wild, just kind of complete one eighty in that Bills uh, Ravens game. Yeah, their offense really disappeared in the second half, and they went a little bit more Justice Hill. He looked pretty good last week, but God, like J.K. Dobbins had two touchdowns today. I feel like you got to have to feed the hot hand a little bit. And, so. and looked explosive, too. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you on the Duvernay take. He's kind of my waiver pickup of the week at wide receiver, which we can get into later in the pod as well. Um, really sucks for Rashad Bateman because he's been having a pretty good sophomore campaign so far. Hopefully that injury doesn't keep him out for too, too long. And then uh, the last injury of the day was D.K. Metcalf. Really serious injury. He got carted off today. Uh, people were extremely worried about him. And then it turns out he just really needed to use the restroom. <laughs> and he kind of had a bit of a Paul Pierce where they got the cart for him just so he wouldn't have to squat his way all the way to the to the bathroom. So he had a really good game today against the Lions. That was a very human moment for DK. Yeah, which is wild because he looks like a freaking robot just with how buff he is. But he had a really good game today for the Seahawks. He didn't score a touchdown, which was like the only disappointing part, but he had seven catches on 10 targets for 149 yards. So definitely a big breakout game and also not a good take on my part. Definitely messed that one up saying that Jeff Okuda was going to be able to shut him down. So DK Metcalf got the best of him this week. Yeah, absolutely. No, DK, DK looks really good today. Yeah. Going over some non-football stuff real quick. Uh, Tyler Hero got a giant extension today. Kind of came out of the middle of nowhere. Uh, he got a deal four years, $130 million. Uh, if you're doing the math at home, that's a little over $30 million a year. Uh, kind of crazy for a guy who's coming off the bench. Like They were comparing it to some of the salaries that other top bench guys have gotten before, like Mono Ginobili and such have gotten. And it really blows it out of the water. So uh, the Heat really loading up, trying to keep a lot of their guys. And uh, it seems like they're making Hero a big part of their future. Uh, it's also possible that this ends up being a contract that they try and piece together in some sort of trade for another star or something like Pat Riley's always doing something behind the scenes. So uh, we're going to have our buddy Eddie on the pod 
this Wednesday, and he's a big hero guy. He's a big heat guy, so he should be able to tell us some good information on what exactly this extension was doing. Um, we're going to do our yeah, NBA I'll, I'll definitely show. defer to him on that one because to, to me that sounds like it is a huge overpay, but I also just have no grasp of what's a good contract in the NBA because it, it just seems like it's all Monopoly money over there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it was an ex- overpay as well. But yeah, you're also right. Like The contracts have been blowing up in basketball pretty much more than any other sport, so maybe they just had cash to burn. We'll have to like analyze the, the cap situation a little bit more. Uh, this one probably hit a little close to home for you. Uh, Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ got fired this past weekend. He uh, and the Badgers got blown out 34-10 to by the hand of your Illinois fighting Illini. And probably one of the funniest parts with this is Paul Christ was one win short of being um, in the all-time winnings for the Wisconsin Badgers right behind Brett Bielma current illinois coach so you guys forced to force the whole team to fire their coach this weekend that's uh that's kind of our program's mo right if you get embarrassed by illinois you better believe that coach is getting shit canned sometime soon yeah um, however I mean, illinois has looked fantastic this year I, I know you know we've we've played some some of the not greatest uh competition in, in a lot of our games but our defense is just very punishing uh we somehow lost to indiana which i think is just unbelievable right now because we just dismantled wisconsin like they they rushed the ball 24 times and had two rushing yards like that is that's an ass whooping right there so yeah um, braylon yeah honestly it's one of the strangest games we've seen this season braylon allen the wisconsin running back who i picked to get second in the heisman voting this year had eight carries for two yards on the day and he was going into the game sixth highest rusher in all of college football like I, you guys just completely demoralized them in a lot of ways and paul chris like a good coach like they gave an extension at this time last year and they just decided like he wasn't putting him in the right direction it's definitely been a rougher season they've already had losses to washington state and ohio state prior to this week so i feel bad for the guy a little bit it's just like a bit of a rough stretch but god like illinois just destroyed them and honestly it seems like illinois might be the favorite to come out of the west like, do you think they'll actually make the Big Ten title game? I don't know. Dude. I like they're on the right track if their defense keeps playing this well. They've got a shot, but I've been hurt before. I'm not ready. I'm I'm ready to keep cheering for them, but I'm I'm not going to go that that high up. You know? Yeah, I didn't realize that your guys is running back. Um, his name's failing me right now, but he was leading the nation in uh, rushing yards going into this game. He's, a, he's got like six games in a row at 100 yards. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, I don't know if he's exactly like an NFL prospect. I haven't gone like that deep of a dive yet, but God, he's been going off. Um, and then go line. I can yeah, say, yeah, we gotta love to see it. Uh, and then the last little bit, we've been having some wild card situations. Finally, get some clarity in baseball. Really excited for baseball playoffs to start up. Uh, it looks like the Blue Jays and Mariners are going to be the AL wild card slots. Uh, did you see the the Mariners clinching? Did you see any of the videos of that? They, they won on a on a, a home run, right? Yeah, 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 and it was like their their first postseason in like twenty plus years, which was really really fun to see. Yeah, I saw because that that whole stadium was going absolutely wild. So that's a that's a pretty surreal moment. Yep, and then on the NL side, the Padres clinched today, and then it's kind of between the Phillies and the Brewers for that last slot. So we're going to kind of see what ends up happening there. Uh, both of those teams really need to be able to make the playoffs, but that's just like it, it, you can't take every team, you know. So uh, the all the division wins have pretty much been locked up at this point. The only one that's a little bit back and forth is the NL East Braves and the Mets are within a game of each other. So we'll kind of see who ends up getting that 
home field advantage in the first round versus who has to play the Cardinals in that first round. So um, if it just like going off the top of your head, who's your like favorite to win the World Series this year? Like if you just had to choose uh, team. I'll just pick Cardinals um, just because I, I believe in the uh, the Albert Yachty, you know, right off into the sunset season. Yeah. You know, Albert's I've, I've been having kind of a career resurgence almost since coming back. You know, he hit number 702 either today or yesterday. Um, I, I know it's, it's been a lot of excitement, a lot of just really good vibes coming out of St. Louis. So, you know, I, they've got as good a shot as anyone. Why not? Yeah, the narrative is strong there. And I think one of the craziest things, too, is. Right now, if things kind of stay the way that people expect, the Cardinals are going to have the NL MVP in Paul Goldschmidt, and they're going to have the NL MVP runner-up in Nolan Arenado. Like, that never happens. I, I was looking this up the other day. The last time that happened was with the the Giants, like, in the early 2000s, and that was, like, Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds. Like, that doesn't happen. So having two of the best batters, plus just, like, these guys that are just legends, Wayno, uh, Yachty, host just having that like emotional spirit and leadership behind them and playoff experience like Cardinals are definitely like the team the team to beat when it comes to narrative wise so I, I'd like to see it as well yeah. all righty let's get into the winners and the losers of the week but real quick let's take a quick commercial today's podcast is brought to you by the confusing network tv time nomenclature for eons humans have been trying to master the concept of time what's the correct measure is it 24 hours per day, with each hour consisting of 60 minutes, which contains 60 seconds? But that still allows for leap years, and our calendar consistently, but slowly, falling out of whack. Is the sun the source of all time? Should we go back to the sundial, a if-it-ain't-broke-don't-fix-it approach? I don't know the answer to these questions, but easily the stupidest approach to time was networks, networks putting multiple time zone options on the screen for TV shows. Why are you saying 8-7 Central? Does that mean 8 central time? 7 central time? Maybe split the difference and do 7.30 central time? 10-year-old me never understood this and constantly missed episodes of Survivor as I tried to navigate this BS system of time. We have evolved past the need for this. Imagine if the train station did this. There would be riots. Let's be better as a species. Put everything in mountain time. I don't care. I can subtract an hour or two or add an hour. It's not crazy. Just be consistent. Thanks to TV networks every for everywhere for making our lives harder. And let's get back to the pod for the remainder of this week's recap. So quarterbacks were a little funky on winners and losers this week. Uh, it's definitely a fun one, uh, mainly because the Lions-Seahawks game ended up being incredibly high scoring, just like you predicted this week. 48-45 yeah. for the Seahawks. C called that one, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, you could take a little victory lap there. Uh, Goff was the league scorer with 34. Gino was the second league scorer with 32. And Dangerous had a little bit of a redemption game with 26 points this week. So a bit of a surprise. Um, we haven't really seen Mahomes yet, so like he could end up breaking into that top tier. But uh, yeah, Goff and Geno just continue to be worthy pickups in fantasy in a lot of ways. Well, Goff and Geno, we expected it. You know, We knew this was going to be an absolute shootout. Russ, I think that's a kudos there because he was, I mean, he's getting dropped in the leagues. He's been having a real rough go. Uh, so for him to finally kind of turn it on and, and figure it out, I think is good news for Broncos fans, even though they did get an L against the Raiders, which is a little tough. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've been saying it got, got off the top five QB, you know, he was the number one pick for a reason. So just, you, you gotta be feeling good as a Lions fan having Goff on your side. Okay. But like realistically though, like let's say you have Goff, he's sitting on your bench right now, or you're like thinking about picking him up this week. 
Like, which quarterbacks are you starting Goff over going forward? Like, are you starting Goff over Kyler? Yeah. Okay. Are you? It's, yeah. I, I think it's more of who are you not starting Goff over, right? Okay. And what's the last? I, I know I'm, I'm using a sarcastic tone here, but in all honesty, their defense is so bad that they have to sling the rock. And if there was a game that Goff was going to be bad, it would have been this week with two of their top receivers out. But he was still slinging it. They still looked really good on offense. What they've got going over there is something special offensively. And it's offensive defensively. <laughs> but Goff has really kind of proven himself. I think he's got to ride the hot hand until he, he falls back to more of that league average quarterback off that we're used to. Yeah, I've been reading some statistics on the Lions start to the season. Uh, is a top 15 worst start to the season defensively. They're giving up 35.3 points per game. But they're also number one in the league in terms of points per game. They're at 35 points per game. So there's that point three difference that's keeping us at one and three right now. Uh, I, I'm not being sarcastic. Like I'm honestly genuinely asking like, uh, that's a fair one. Like Goff over Kyler, I, I don't, I'm not against that. But like, are you starting Goff over Russell Wilson? Over Russ for sure. I'm, I'm not starting him over Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. That's the right. Last. After that, I think I think there's an argument to to be made to keep him in. Wow, wow. I, I'm not mad about that. I'm just like, as soon as I see Goff, like I, I watched the replays today because I was at the Texans game, so I didn't get to watch the game in person, but. God, like that one pick six that he had was so ugly. And it's like, if you have one of those, if you're golf, like that can really hurt your fantasy production in a lot of ways. Yeah, but I, the thing is, it being a pick six doesn't matter versus it just being an interception. So like, we know he's going to throw a few interceptions, but he's just throwing the ball all over the place. I and mean, he had, what, 390 yards today? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or sorry, 384 touchdowns. Like, the dude is slinging the rock right now. And he, it doesn't even matter who's on the field for them. I guess just like my thing is just his ceiling is very capped, but also at the same time, he's having these like QB ones uh, weeks. So, I mean, his ceiling is a QB one week. So <laughs> I, I guess that is the cap for everybody, right? Yeah. We're going to have to see what his uh, per season, full season body of the work is going to look like once all those uh, scores end up settling for the week. But yeah, golf, not too bad. So, so I'm trying to think like in honesty, you know, maybe like at, at five, six, seven, like who's QB five, six, and seven that you're you're having questions on whether or not you're starting golf over them? Yeah, I think like Kyler's definitely on that list. I, I'm trying to pull up my list of quarterbacks right now. One moment. Right, I'd be like Mahomes, Murray. Um... Yeah, like Justin Herbert. Are you starting golf over? No, I'm probably starting Herbert, and and that's more so just because the pick you had to use to get him means like. You're just kind of ride or dying with Herbert. Okay. Because a lot of people are taking him as like second quarterback off the board. So you, you just kind of have to bite that bullet. Plus, I mean, he still looked pretty good today, even with the, the rib damage. What about Stafford? Yeah, I'm starting over Stafford. That that Rams offense is, is really weird right now. Wow. Because if Cooper Cup has a bad game, the Rams offense has a bad game. It's like they, they don't go as Stafford goes. They go as Cup goes. Are you saying the Lions won the Jared Goff, Matt Stafford trade? I think they won the trade. Absolutely. Don't don't worry about the Super Bowl the Rams got. The Lions clearly are on the right path now. They got the younger asset. <laughs> I'm gonna quote you on that one day. Uh Joe Burrow. Ooh. I think that's matchup dependent. If you have both of them on your team, right? You, you may be not starting Joe against a tougher defense, but um even like a middle of the road defense, you're probably starting Burrow. Okay, so you have Goff at like QB six or seven right now, like QB six point five. I'm not good. So I, I, th- I think I think he's matchup 
like matchup dependent, you can I could put them in the top five. I, I, you know, there's the three guys I, I mentioned that you're not starting anyone over, but after that, I think you have to give a, a good hard look at like, okay, who would you start them over and, and kind of just play it by ear. Yeah, you're not always going to be right, but you can at least try your best to make a good decision. He's one of those guys that's just like hard to get over some of your priors about, right? Like so much of the narrative over the last two years was like he was a hundred yards and he was done. You know, he's just a handoff machine to Todd Gurley. So. It's a bit tough to get over that, but we're seeing the evolution of Goff right now. And uh, he, well, we're seeing a, a very confident Jared Goff. Yeah, he's definitely playing for that next contract at this point. Some guys that were definitely playing Jared Goff over going forward. Here's some losers of the week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did not have a good week after having a very exceptional week last week. He finished with five points this week and a very rainy game against the Eagles. Marcus Mariota had four points, and then the worst game of the week, uh, he ended up getting benched because of how poorly he played, was Mitchell Trubisky with only two points. So what are your takeaways here? Uh, it's I feel bad for Mitch. This was kind of his last chance to really make it in the league. Uh, I think this this stint he's had this just really relegates him to just um, an athletic backup at this point. right? I mean, and no team is going to really give him a chance to start again other than if their quarterback gets injured. Um. Mariota, that one hurts, right? A lot of people have been been playing. Like he's supposed to be the floor guy. Like Mariota's not supposed to be the guy that gets you four. He's the, the guy that no matter what gets you about fifteen and and nothing else in between. Um, and and that just was not the case this week. And then yeah, Trevor Lawrence, disappointing because you know they they got up to that early lead. Like everything about their offense was looking great, and then they just stopped scoring. And it was just just really tough sailing after that for them. I, I think they had a pretty rough game to throw in, so I understand why. You might have had a rough go because it was very rainy just on the East Coast in general this weekend. Yeah. But yeah, there's just a lot of hype. This could have been a, a real uh, breaking out game for those Jaguars, and they just didn't quite do it. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, the defense looked really good for the Jaguars, too. They had that pick six of Jalen Hurts. or I don't know if it was a pick six, but they scored right off of it really early on, put, went up that 14-0 lead. And then, yeah, T-Law just really couldn't get in a rhythm. Mariota, we'll get into it with the running backs a little bit, but I don't know what the hell Arthur Smith is doing with their offense. He had three running backs all get almost double digit carries. Cordell Patterson was at nine and then two other guys were at 10. And it's like, what are you doing? Like you need to be putting the ball in some of your best playmakers hands. Some guy named Caleb Huntley got 10 carries today. Like, how does that even happen? And then I also feel bad for Mr. Trubisky a little bit. He got benched for Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett came in and had two rushing touchdowns. He poached them for my boy, Najee Harris. And then he had three interceptions. Um, a couple of them didn't look like much so his fault. They were off tipped balls. Um, and then one was fairly ugly. So uh, Mr. Biskey might be might be the end of it unless Kenny Pickett gets injured as well. So tough one. We'll get to the running back winners now. Uh, these were some high scoring guys. These guys definitely didn't let you down. Uh, Josh Jacobs finished with 32 this week, as did Austin Eckler. And then Rashad Penny had 28 points this week. He had a huge run against the Detroit Lions. And as you mentioned prior to the pod when we were talking pre-show, everybody on the Seahawks scored a touchdown this week, which was fairly accurate. So um, Everyone but DK. DK got him down there, and then everyone else got the targets. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which of these three guys do you think has like the most staying power going forward? Um, I'm probably going to have to go with it, it, I mean, it's got to be Eckler, right? I mean, he's just such a, a focal point of that offense. Um, I mean, Jacobs, it looked like, you know, their team was playing really well since they started using him now. So maybe they think, oh, we won the game with running the ball. Maybe we'll keep trying to do that. 
Uh, Rashad seems like the the hardest to to gauge just because I, I don't really know what to think of that Seahawks team other than at least their games are have been pretty exciting. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like Eckler's, you know, just he there's a reason he was a top five pick this year. Like you're kind of expecting me. He was starting to get some really good explosive runs, which we hadn't seen so far this season. I was making you worry about him. He was starting to get a lot of targets and everything. So I would be most excited to have Eckler probably. Yeah, I agree. I, I got to see this game in person today between the Chargers and the Texans. And it was a really exciting one because the Chargers went up really big early and then the Texans came back, classic NFL fashion, and then the Chargers were able to put them away. And the, the main thing that was just the biggest cheat code was this little play action that they would do with Eckler where he would run back across the formation after the fake and he would just be wide open in the flat and then Herbert would just give it to him and let Eckler do the rest. So uh, the, the end all be all is that Eckler scored zero touchdowns when I don't go to Chargers games. And then when I do go to Chargers games, he scores three touchdowns and get 32 points. So if you are an Eckler owner, you definitely want me at every game going forward. Please donate. Um, and then another big takeaway that I got from that game was Damian Pierce. He had a huge 75-yard run. Um, he was playing angry. He was running super well, hitting his gaps and looking really shifty. So uh, it may be a little too late to trade for Damian Pierce at this point because he had that 75-yard run and he had like a top 10 performance this week. Um, but he's definitely someone that I feel like you need to be looking after. If you can get him in a trade, I definitely think he's worthy of like a top 50 level player at this point. Yeah, he had 114 yards, I think, and a touchdown on like 13 carries. Uh, You know, when when you're putting up that kind of performance, I'm not sure why you're not getting the ball more. Um, You know, usually Lovey loves feeding the running backs. I don't, I I mean, you were there. What what happened? Why was it they weren't getting the ball uh, to their running backs more? Uh, It was Rex Burkhead, man. Uh, Rex Burkhead siphoned a lot of third down carries and receiving work. And then he also had a touchdown that he stole from Pierce as well. Uh, Rex Burkhead, he is inevitable at all times. He's very much so like Thanos at this point. So. I think that was gotcha. like the biggest problem. And then they also got a lot of tight end work as well. Jordan Aikens and OJ Howard were getting a lot of work today too. So a lot of those like short yardage, eye formation kind of things where Pierce should be the one thriving. It was just going to other people today. But uh, yeah, he was doing it on his own though. Like he was making things happen. So he, he I feel like he's definitely going to force his way into a situation like that. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the losers of the week this week as well. Uh, Najee Harris only had seven points. He got siphoned by Kenny Pickett. The Jaguars running backs were incredibly poor this week. Uh, both Etienne and James Robinson only had three points apiece. And then Tony Pollard, very strangely, only finished with one point today. Complete vanishing act. How does he not get more work, right? Yeah, I know. I think- it doesn't make sense. I, I looked at it. It's like halftime. It was like Zeke, 10 carries, 33 yards. So it's like, okay, pretty below average a 3.3 yard per carry kind of game like uh and then they're like yeah pollard don't let him touch the ball get him out of here yeah i don't really know what was like, happening I think jerry jones has a direct line to the to the play caller kellen mond right and he's just like or not mond um kellen moore yeah and he's just like hey give it to zeke like i want to see every one of my 100 million dollars go to work here yeah i think it's really funny that jerry jones more or less acts like the the official PR person too. Like every single time we hear about something that's newsworthy with the Cowboys, it's like, Oh, Jerry Jones said this. Like, why is he the one who's doing the PR? He's not PR trade or anything like that. I, I doubt he's a PR major in college or anything like that. So 
Uh, I think he just needs to keep his mouth shut and just like let people do their damn jobs. But um, hey, when you're an owner, you do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, they won today, so I mean, I can't really be saying much. Um, and then one other thing that I wanted to go over just real quick: uh, the the running back situation in Atlanta was wild today. So I'll I'll read out the carries and their respective players today. So the expected person to get a lot of carries in this offense, Cordell Patterson, had nine carries and a touchdown today. Tyler Algier, who we also expect to do fairly well, had 10 carries for 84 yards today. And then some guy, some guy named Caleb Huntley, who's owned in like 0.1% of leagues right now, had 10 catches for 50 or 10 rushes for 56 yards and a touchdown. Um, a very, very strange game. The, the Atlanta offense barely passed today, uh, much to the chagrin of Pitt's owners like us. And just a very, very strange decision by Arthur Smith just to go with that three-headed monster, but it worked. They ended up uh, beating the Browns today. So um, just want to point that out. That's something to definitely monitor going forward to just like see who ends up being the Falcons running back to own. Yeah, they're becoming a very tough uh, backfield, right? Just like a a group of guys, you're just like, I don't want to own any of them because if they're going to do some BS like that, where it's a three-headed monster... That's tough. It's almost like where if you're a Cordero Patterson owner, and I know I've been pretty harsh on old men Patterson, but it's like I might try to trade him just based off of like what happened this week where it's like, are, do they just not want to have, you know, a, a any kind of stability in the backfield? It was just so wild. I, it, I don't I don't know what to make of it, really. And like Algier was like 10 carries for 84 yards, like clearly – you know, breaking off some big plays. Like, I, I don't I don't know what they're trying to do over there. Yeah, he looks super talented and very, very refreshed after not playing in week one. Patterson's just a roller coaster to own at this point. Like, the, the touchdown salvaged him today, but one of the big things that helped him a lot last year was the receiving work, and today, I he didn't even get a single catch. And I don't think he's really... He's been getting a ton of carries, but I don't think he's really been getting the passes, to your point, that have made him such a, a fantasy-relevant running back over the past two years. Yeah, so I, I don't really know what to make of that uh, running back situation right now. Honestly, I'm kind of staying away from it as much as possible. I think Patterson's worth starting in like a flex or something right now, but you're not doing it super confidently. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, speaking of uh, wide receivers, let's look over at wide receiver winners of the week. George, uh, Justin Jefferson redeemed himself completely. He had 26 points. T. Higgins on Thursday Night Football had 22 points. And Tyreek Hill, going from a loser last week to winner this week, had 21 points for the Miami Dolphins. That's the Tyreek Hill experience right there, man. That's Like you said last our, our last podcast, that's why you draft him. You, you want the big week. And you're you're just expecting it. Yep, yep. You'll take the one and one. You'll take the the loss last week and win this week. So yeah, I, th- I think the big takeaway of these winners, right? So Justin Jefferson probably could have had 50 points this week if Kirk was more competent a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, he was open the entire game, and you know, if for any of us that were able to wake up by 8:30 to watch it, like I was, like you were able to see it, just like every play that they showed highlights, it was like Justin Jefferson waving, like, hey, dickhead, I'm wide open. It was like back in back of the end zone, wide open, middle of the field, wide open. So I, I don't know. It's I think we you know, we talked earlier if, if Stafford was racist, we might have to start considering whether or not Kirk Cousins is racist. We already know he's an anti-vaxxer. So yeah. it's, you know, it, it runs deep there. Yeah. Uh, and then for, for T. Hagen's owners, you have to be feeling really good because he finally showed this week what we thought he was very capable of, which is just absolutely torching single coverage and he did it against Xavier Howard who's a very very good corner one of the you know maybe top five corners in the league so when when teams come in and try to do that bracket coverage over Jamar he has to win those matchups 
and Joe Burrow felt very comfortable, had no problem just, just throwing it up. Like it was like anytime they saw, okay, cool, we have single coverage, no safety help on on T Higgins, like we're throwing him the ball, and that's what they did. So yeah, you, I mean, you have to be excited to have T Higgins, and, and he's the guy that if a team has him and and you're not sure whether or not you know if they like the the ride that is kind of that boomer bust receiver he's i think worth trading for if you have like an rb2 that you could spare yeah i i, ha- I saw a lot of conversation this week about the cincinnati wide receivers at this point would you rather own t higgins or jamar chase i'm still taking jamar yeah and the reason being he's the he's the first look so this offense is incredibly potent, but you still want the the number one. The is it, that's the X receiver, right? Mm-hmm. That's always your your number one guy. It it's just that's just who you want on on your roster. But you don't feel bad. Like last year, it was is really iffy, right? Like T, you just weren't sure. Um, it, it just felt like Jamar got all the love, and T Higgins was really like forty points one game, and then zero points the next three. At least this year, it's feeling a lot like. I mean, he's getting a ton of usage, and it's just a bit more of like an every other game type split with him. Um, but I think Jamar, even the games that he's doing bad this year, he's getting, he's getting like the goal line work, even though he's a shorter guy, like he's, he's getting a lot of good looks. He's just so quick. You know, he could, uh, you know, break a tackle in a phone booth type, type quickness, you know, just get open in very limited space. And, and he, they use that on the goal line. So, so Jamar gets a ton of, ton of touchdowns like that, that kind of save days if he's having a bad game. Yeah, I have to agree. A lot of people are getting really, really confused and frustrated with Jamar Chase's lack of consistency like he doesn't have big weeks back to back ever and Higgins is definitely the more consistent option but like Chase's upside is just so huge so I'd rather have Chase as well going forward although it's a little Jamar's what, 20, he's like 22 years old like yeah. this is a kid you know what I mean like you gotta like we, we know that wide receivers take a big step up in their second year or tend to we have to realize like he's trying to to balance the the superstardom that he's just kind of got thrust into over this last season. So he, he's kind of getting back used to, okay, what does it mean to have double coverage? What does it mean to have the best corner every single week? You know, just trying to press me at the line every single time. Like there's just that growing pain that, or the, you know, the growth he has to get through. Cause Justin Jefferson experienced the same thing, right? He had an incredible rookie season and then his first few weeks just didn't look great in, in year two. And he finally kind of came into himself as, as you, you know, he kept growing on, on some incredible talent. Like these guys know how to get open. They just have to get used to, you know, what it means to have that blanket coverage. And, and, you know, you, you just see plays where you're like, okay, they, they definitely got it. Like, like today there was a time where I think Justin Jefferson ran a 10 yard route and had five yards of separation. Like Jamar can mm-hmm. do the same thing. Like these guys know how to get open. So I, I wouldn't be worried. You know, he's just trying to get used to that role. And, and that Cincinnati offense didn't get off to a hot start either. Yeah. I think Justin Jefferson has to be one of the most satisfying players to watch in the entire league. Today, he really kind of showed how he's developed into a more and more complete receiver. There's this one pass that he did where he went from the left side of the formation, went over the middle, and went all the way to the right. And as he did so, he dragged his defender, the defensive back that was on him, and ran him straight into a linebacker to the point where they fell yeah. over each other. Jefferson catches the ball, runs toward the sideline. That was beautiful. Yeah, truck sticks Marshawn Lattimore, who is one of the hardest hitters in the entire league, basically gets through him and just barely steps out of bounds, almost scores off of that. And like that, yeah. we weren't seeing that from Justin Jefferson last Dude, year. No, so. and then two plays later, Kirk throws the ball behind him. So it was a pass that you expect Justin to catch, but it was like he was wide. I mean, he had three yards of separation on a slant, and the ball was like on his back hip and he just, he didn't get turned around quick enough to catch and it. That hurt. Uh, but there was another one. It was, I mean, it was just a, a classic 10 yard out 
And I mean, he's just so smooth on his break that he's running and all of a sudden, bam, he's on the sideline. And the, the corner like can't even react quick enough to get over to him. And it's just the easiest pitch and catch for, for a professional quarterback receiver combo. Uh, I mean, I know I hype Justin Jefferson. I know his past two weeks have been rough, but if you watch the tape, like the dude is just next level. Yeah. All right, we could talk about Justin Jefferson all day. Let's get into the losers real quick at wide receiver. Michael Pittman Jr. had a rough week, only four points. Scary Terry falling off a little bit, just like Carson Wentz has been, only two points today. And then Mark Cooper, who had a pretty big week recently, he disappointed with only one week. So do you think any of these have pretty big staying power, or do you think these guys are bounce-back candidates? Yeah, of, of the three, the one here that I think speaks the most is Amari Cooper. So he went back to back big weeks to try to go, okay, you know, maybe he's consistent. I, I think you're starting to see you just can't quite trust a receiver that has Jacoby Brissett as their, as their quarterback. Jacoby's playing really well, but he still is, excuse me, he still is kind of that game manager, the, hey, let's let's find ways to get Nick Chubb and, and get um, Kareem Hunt the ball. And, and, you know, Amari Cooper's just not the first option. He's like the third option in that offense. Definitely. And, and also to Njoku, I think might be an option before Cooper because um, Jacoby really seems to like uh, David Njoku. Yeah, yeah. It's tough whenever you have a game manager type like Jacoby Rousset at your quarterback. Like, they just they, they will not have him throw the ball 40 times, and that's the kind of production you need to have consistent 20-point weeks out of a receiver. Exactly. Like It's not Joe Flacco throwing 60 times, so it's a little bit tougher. Let's move into yeah. tight ends. Uh, this first one, I was really excited to see. TJ Hawkinson had his breakout party this week. He had 36 points to lead all tight ends. He finished the day with eight catches, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. Granted, all of this was done with the top two receivers in Detroit out, DJ Chark and Amon Ross St. Brown, as well as their top pass catching back, DeAndre Swift. But still a really exciting performance. Mo Ali Cox had 23 points for second place, and then Gerald Everett, who had a couple drops today. He left a little bit on the table. I got to see that game in person. He had 15 points, including a touchdown from Herbert today. So him and uh, Herbert definitely have a very, very good connection going on. So any yeah. of these stick out as something that will actually stay going forward? Uh, so I think that the one caveat we need to add is there's eight minutes to go in the second quarter. And I think Kelsey's already at like 15 points. Like he, he's going to be number two, I think, before this game's over. He is just feasting right now against the Bucks. Probably. <laughs> uh um, I think Gerald Everett, you feel good. We, we've mentioned before, you should probably pick him up on the waiver wire. He, he's he's consistent. He's getting 10 to 15. He's not going to win you a week. But if you're tight end slot, you can guarantee it's 10. You're feeling really good about it. And then I think with Hawkinson, what you're seeing is like, this is what you expect as a Lions fan when you spend a 10th or a 10th overall pick on a tight end. Like this is the type of usage we wanted of Hawkinson coming out of Iowa. And he really shined today. And, and you're hoping to see more of that going forward. Yeah. I'd like to think if, you know, maybe if I spent a fourth overall pick on a tight end, I would similarly like to throw him the ball this many times. You know, someone that's just clearly the best athlete on my team, just heads and tails above everyone else that could get the ball. I would try to get it to him as much as I could, but I can't think of a guy like that. So I'll just have to talk about Hawkinson, I guess. <laughs> feed Hawk and yeah. Uh, feed that other guy that you were alluding to with a fourth overall pick that might be on a team in the Southeast. Uh, let's look at the losers. These are definitely big names, uh, definitely guys that you drafted with high picks and just really disappointed this week. Darren Waller had four points, Kyle Pitts, three points, and Mark Andrews, two and a half points. So just uh, an absolute death row of guys that you were expecting to be leading your team, not be just a dark hole out tight end and all three just ended up disappointing big time. So yeah, the, the tough one here is 
this almost might make um, Travis Kelsey the biggest winner in general because these are of the top four tight ends off the off the board. Kelsey is the only one that actually produced this week. Yeah, Kelsey doesn't bust. And as much as I love Mark Andrews, like he had two straight weeks as tight end one, and then this week he just completely falls off a cliff. Whereas Kelsey, even whenever the Chiefs aren't playing super well, like he still finishes like a top three tight end. So I think he's, this- he's always going to get five to eight for eighty yards. Just every now and again, you throw two touchdowns in the mix. I think this really justifies our tight end rankings that we did in the preseason, why we had Kelsey above Andrews. Like as much as we do yeah. like Andrews, it just made more sense to have Kelsey at all times. Death tax is 15 points. You can feel pretty safe with Kelsey. <laughs> exactly. So I think this is a, the best week that we have in terms of looking at trade targets. We're finally getting some clarity on some guys in terms of what they're going to be and what we can expect from them going forward. So you can get a pretty accurate valuation for a lot of these guys so um walk me through your trade targets for the week yeah and before we get there if if you don't mind i i feel like you and i are are on a ledge right now we've talked so much about how good the athlete kyle pitts is but clearly the atlanta falcons don't listen to our podcast or, or know how to use their talented players like what do you do with kyle pitts as a fantasy asset right now because they don't want to use him and it's very apparent. Like I, I've lost a lot of weeks because I have a ton of Kyle Pitts, and it's like I'm getting two points in my tight end slot. Like, do you bench him? Do you trade him? Like, what, what are you going to do with your Kyle Pitts shares? I think at the best case scenario right now is that you're in a league where they just don't really care about the top tight end, so you can get like a Tyler Conklin or a Gerald Everett, and then I think you bench Pitts going forward, and then you start him once they actually wake up a little bit and realize hey we need to start using our guy hell maybe arthur smith gets fired here in the next few weeks that'd be a very ideal situation when it comes to pitts's production i i think it's worth benching him and just hoping and praying that later on the season they wake up maybe he can have a late season resurgence kind of like we saw with penny last year um we saw with singletary last year as well um but right now he's not worth a start right now in my opinion yeah, well and it's tough too because i you know you bring up a good point like you're not dropping him, right? Like, you know, the talent is there. He's he's worth a bench spot as you're waiting for him to figure it out. I just fear it's like he's just not going to be consistent enough. And the weeks he's figuring it out, it's like he's going to blow up for like 30 points against some team. You're like, shit, I didn't start him. And then you're going to start him the next two weeks and it's going to go two points, three and a half points. And you're like, damn it. Okay. Bench him. 20 point week. You're like, what is going Like, you're, I feel like he's just going to be that guy. Like, everyone has a fantasy player just in their career that they never start correct. So it's like we just need to figure out who that is and it might be pits for us going forward where it's like, you know, we just need to let the viewers know when we're not starting him. So then they know to start him and he'll go off. Like I feel it's like the second I bench him, he's going to get 30 points. I just know it's going to happen <laughs> and it's, it's going to make me hate the Falcons so much. Yeah. The only time I'm going to consider is if like they have a really soft matchup and like the Browns just weren't it today. Um, Mariota went seven for 19. How, so, you know, because he's kind of a trade target for me. How how much would you be willing to give up to try to get pits? Like, I, you know, I, I still believe in the talent. So you're not, now we're looking at, OK, a, a, a very matchup specific bench guy. What would you try to do? Like, do you think you could get him pretty easily or do you think it's going to be a tough get still? Yeah, I know you kind of have to throw draft value out the window at this point. But like Pitts was a 30th ish pick overall so you kind of want to give up something that's like in like probably like the 50s or 60s or so um i've seen a lot of trades for pits where it's like trash for trash like they'll trade pits for like alan robinson or something like that i think that was i would do that in a heartbeat yeah i think those kind of trades make a lot of sense if you can do that um i like not trade away pits but trade like your trash for kyle pitts yeah i think um a trade for like terry mclaurin for 
Kyle Pitts makes a lot of sense. Scary Terry really. I'd rather have Terry McLaurin, man. I don't know, man. Like, there's just so many good receivers and like the upside. Yeah, there are, yeah, there are a lot of good receivers. Like, I can find a replacement like Curtis Samuel or Devin Duvernay. See, I, I, like, I would Terry. try to trade Jahan Dotson for for um, yeah. Pitts because Jahan's very touchdown dependent right now. He's he's been getting them. He's you know, I mean, like it's been saving his weeks, but when you're only getting four or five targets, like that's not a sticky stat to have as far as like production. Yeah, yeah. I just think that you got to give up something in order to get something in this situation. Yeah. Like people will see the the name brand and they're going to want a little bit of something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think the trash or trash situation would probably be your best idea. Okay. So who, who's your first buy? The guy that you would trade for? Uh, one guy that I really want to trade for is JT. Uh, here I went in one of my uh, leagues this week in a trade, and it was JT for Terry McLaurin. And that's a very, very easy trade. I would smash that all the time. Even if JT ends up missing the rest of the season, like Terry McLaurin's not moving the needle for you, just like kind of we've talked about. Uh, So I would much so rather have JT. Obviously, that's not going to be everybody's situation, but he's running back 11 going into this week. He's going to drop a lot because he had a rough week this week as well. I think you can get Jonathan Taylor for pretty cheap, and we've seen the talent level before. I think also a lot of people forget he started last year extremely slow as well. A lot of people were starting to get rumblings of like, is Jonathan Taylor worth keeping around? So I think that it's worth looking into second half JT if you can get him at a good price. Yeah, the, the high ankle sprain concerns me, but I, I talked about that earlier. I, I agree. If you get the right price, it might be worth the risk. Yep. And um, then- similarly, I'm thinking uh, Deon- or, uh, DeAndre Swift. It's, why am I? I feel like that sounds wrong for some reason, but D, D- Swift here. Yeah. Um, for the for the Lions, so he he doesn't have you know uh, any kind of foot or, or ankle ailments or anything like that. His is a shoulder thing, if I, if I'm not mistaken. They, they just want it to heal up over the next couple weeks. So, you know, he's probably going to sit next week. They've they've talked about that, and he has a bye week. Uh, so you're talking maybe two weeks of not having him, but then after that, you're you're talking about an RB one and a very potent offense, and he's looked great when he's been healthy. Um, I, I think. You know, similarly, a, a Terry McLaurin might be able to get him, and I, I think I'd pull that trigger right away. Um, similarly, if you could maybe move a, a DK Metcalf or, um, you know, just like a wide receiver two or three uh, for someone that just doesn't love the inconsistency to this point of DeAndre Swift, I think I would do it. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people also will be panicking a little bit because Jamal Williams had a really great game today. Uh, He had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So Swift is definitely going to get something when he comes back. Like he's too talented to keep off the field. Um, And I think you could get him pretty cheap. So I like this call a lot. Another guy that's pretty similar to Swift is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara this week, uh, going into this week, was really struggling. He was running back 56. And then he ended up being a fairly surprise scratch this morning. And I saw a stat that in leagues, he got started in 85% of leagues today because he played in the London game and people didn't get him out of his lineup. So I think a lot of people are going to be really frustrated with Alvin Kamara. That's a very easy narrative to spend. And then you can get Kamara for pretty cheap. Um, You can point to, oh, he's really struggling. He didn't have a great season last season. And then I think you get him for extremely cheap. Like I'm talking like, oh God, like who's like a bottom tier receiver? Um, I think you could get him for like Amari Cooper. I think you could get him for or Brandon Cooks. I think you could get him for uh, 
even like even not even a Christian Kirk. Like I, I think Christian Kirk is too good. Like I don't even think that you need to give up that much. I mean, you can give Kirk for Kamara and something else. So I, I think Kamara's value is at an all time low, and it's only going to go up from here. And it's not like his injury sounds like it's going to be anything long standing. Like it seemed like more of just like a day to day sort of situation. So Kamara should be back soon. And the the finally, 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 the Saints got a little bit of production out of running backs today. Latavius Murray had a good game, as did Mark Ingram. So they're trying to figure out their run blocking a little bit, and Kamara can end up being the beneficiary there. And so then similarly, or not similarly, but uh, the next guy for me would be DK Metcalf. Uh, I like, so the, the game he had might make it tougher to get him, but I think on a positive note is, especially if you're in like half PPR, uh, he didn't have a touchdown. So even though he had this huge game, he had a ton of targets. The score isn't as lopsided as maybe it should have been as far as how many points he put up. But what you saw is like, even though, um, you know, it's, you, you might almost have to take a score and cut it in half. Cause like, you're not getting 48 points every week. You're probably like 24 points to 30 points a week. But Gino loves slinging the rock to DK. We knew that last year. We've seen it so far this year. And then they're finally starting to really, I think come into it, you know, I think last week he had a, a good touchdown, a uh, pretty good performance, like 16 points or something like that. This week, they really started getting the ball. I, I think, I think the wheels are turning, you know, I, I don't love Geno Smith as the real world quarterback, but fantasy production, I mean, they're, he's thrown the ball. He's been, I mean, actually he has been pretty accurate. So I guess the real world Geno Smith is pretty good. I think DK is going to start turning it on here and he hasn't quite had that huge, you know, two touchdown type game yet. So you might still be able to get him for, for cheap and, and it, the price is probably only going up. Yeah, I was a little worried going into this week because of the Jeff Okuda stuff with DK, but he was able to surpass that. Uh, it sounded like he kind of put a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because of that situation. And I've been I've been uh, strumming the DK drum the entire season, so I, I love DK Metcalf as a pick here. Uh, my last guy I had as Jared McKinnon, but I just was looking at it right now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is 100% taking over this backfield right now. He already has two touchdowns in this Chiefs game. Um, the thing that was concerning going into this game for Jarek McKinnon and for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the fact that Jarek McKinnon was out snapping CEH, not only in last game, but every single game this season. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore, so I'm not going to recommend him as a trade target anymore, but um, I, I definitely also wouldn't be looking into Clyde Edwards-Hilaire too closely just because it seems like it's a little up and down at times. Uh- I'll tell you who has been going though is freaking Isaiah Pacheco yeah. is getting a ton of touches right now. CH might just got his third touchdown right here, but like Pacheco's been in the game a lot so far. Every time I look up, he's got the ball in it, and it hasn't been just like garbage carries. It's been like at the ten yard line type carries, and you know McKinnon almost got a touchdown for you there. To, this backfield's becoming tough, I think, to to really figure out. CH again, I, I'm just like I don't know what to do with him because he has been getting the like the total points, he's almost like James Conner last year where it's like, it's not a ton of carries, but when you get two or three touchdowns a game, like who cares, right? It, it makes up for it. Um, but I, I don't know. It's like the wheels got to fall off at some point when you're only getting five touches as a running back. That's not the most uh, substantial or sustainable way to, to be a fantasy producer. Definitely. I agree. Uh, do you have any cutoff candidates this week before we go into waiver targets? Um, Trying to think of... You know, uh, I, I guess I, I don't know how I missed it. I didn't realize you had this on, on here. But, um, you know, I think watching the, the Bears game, like any Bears player that's not a running back, I think you just cut. Like that team is atrocious on offense. Um, God, if 
the the Patriots played pretty well, but there might be in the same boat of like any not running back player for the Patriots, you might have to just cut because our quarterback situation's in a really weird spot right now. Bailey Zapp looked pretty good, but did he look good enough that you feel you can sustain even a wide receiver three? I don't think so. Uh, and then if Hoyer comes back and they play him for some reason, which God, I hope they don't, but um, it, I just, you just don't really know what, what you're getting other than good running back production. Yeah. I had a handful of cut candidates as well. Carson Wentz looked atrocious today as did the entire Washington offense. Really sad to see after he had a first few good weeks and he's just been straight downhill from there. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I'm pretty done with as well. He had five carries this past week to Mostert's 15. Uh, Mostert is very clearly the RB1 at this situation, even though Edmonds keeps scoring points just because he keeps siphoning touchdowns. Uh, at some point, I feel like he's going to just not fall into the end zone. He's just not worth the start anymore. And then Eli Moore, the, the the narrative with Elijah Moore going into the season was he had really good chemistry with Zach Wilson last year, and that's what was going to make him fancy viable. Well, Zach Wilson finally started this week. He played okay. Uh, Zach Wilson actually had a receiving touchdown, which was kind of funny. Um, but Eli Moore just didn't produce like we were hoping to. He finished with only seven points today. So I think he's worth cutting. He's yet to crack double-digit points. Um, I think he's worthy of a drop at this point. He's like owned by eighty percent of leagues. That's a that's a I think that's a good list, and and I think we need to point out that the the gritty that Zach Wilson hit on his receiving touchdown was has to be a top five this season. Like you know, people really really make fun of some of the the bad ones we've seen. You know, a lot of really bad white boy dance moves out there. But Zach Wilson was ready to go. He he moistened every mom in New York with that move. So. Is impressive. Dude, all of them were called him up after book club tonight for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go to guys that we think are good waiver targets. Uh, per usual, this is under 50% ownership in most leagues. And we're looking at guys that we think are good pickups for specifically this week. But also, it's okay if they're a little bit more forward looking as well. So uh, quarterbacks haven't changed a ton. I'll, I'll just tell it for both of us. Geno Smith, Jared Goff, their QB ones and twos this week. They're owned in less than 50% of leagues. In Geno's case, in only 15% of leagues. Both worthy pickups, both worthy starts at this point. Both guys are playing extremely well right now and are in pretty high-flying offenses currently. So uh, those are those are pretty obvious. Yeah, well, I mean, broken record on this one. I've been saying Goff for a few weeks, and I feel like we've mentioned Geno enough. Um, I, I think I saved a couple of my teams with both these guys. So one team I needed a, a QB2, and I grabbed Goff, and he – I mean, just crushed it this the past two weeks, really. Uh, same thing, Gino. I, I had, I had Jameis. I, I was playing like Mac uh, Jones last week. Obviously, he gets injured, and then I had Jameis as a backup. And I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'll drop Mac because the injury, and I'll, I'll pick up Gino and probably drop Jameis here. But Gino saved me there because he got me. I had Lamar Jackson. I got like 12 points, but Gino put up 33. So then at least it was like 40 out of the quarterback slot. You know, so you feel good there. Um, it, especially the, the types of matchups these guys are getting like i don't know why i mean I, I get it it's it's easy to say well they've burned me before like you know gino's almost a meme from kind of some of the plays he had with the jets but it's like you just got to see what the situation is now and then play the guys yeah yeah gino had that whole punching situation whenever he was with the jets so just a lot of drama with both of these guys but they're both finally really hitting their strides so uh yeah. looking at running backs the guy that i like a lot this week is mike boone 
Uh, he's shown before that he can be a plug-and-play type of guy, and we just don't know the extent of the Javante Williams injury yet. Uh, they're doing an MRI tomorrow, but there's also a very large possibility that's a fairly serious knee injury. Uh, he's owned in 0.1% of leagues, and I think he's, in my opinion, I think he's the guy that you like go out and get with your very first overall waiver priority, just because he could be that prolific in that offense. Yeah, and then... I know we're not sure what the hell that's going on with the Falcons, but Algier, when you have 10 carries for 84 yards, especially as a rookie, like rookies really come into their own the second half of the season. So you can kind of see the, the at least the path where he starts getting more touches. But again, that would be a logical progression. And I don't know if the Falcons understand logic as far as like how offense works. So <laughs> I don't know. You know. Your mileage may vary on that pickup. Yeah, freaking Arthur Smith has FedEx on the brain. Um, injuries suck, but another guy that I think is going to be a beneficiary of an injury is Devin Duvernay, owned in 19% of leagues. He already has four touchdowns on the season, so he's getting that good production. And he hasn't slowed down yet. Like, he had five catches for 42 yards today, and it's only going to go up from here if Rashad Bateman misses some time. So I think Devin Duvernay is a worthy flex consideration and someone that you should pick up. Yeah, and then uh, George Pickens uh, for Pittsburgh. Excuse me. Um, so he... You know, was definitely kind of that sleeper target early in the season. People saw some of his incredible catches in the preseason, and then kind of as a little little Houdini vanishing act once the once the year started, just kind of due to inconsistent uh, quarterback play. But he definitely has that uh, that rapport with with Kenny Pickett, who looks like is going to be the starter going forward. Mm-hmm. Had six catches on eight or nine targets today for 102 yards. Like that's that's the type of production you want to see, especially as a PPR player. I mean, that's easy 16 points and eventually he'll find the end zone. He, he can make some pretty acrobatic catches. So yeah, you know, I, th- I think that's a, a lot of good signs there. Yeah. It's that rookie to rookie connection. And yeah, you really mentioned with the academic acrobat God, tough word to say acrobatic catches. It's not like Kenny Pickett's an overly accurate guy yet. So you need someone that has a large catch radius. So Pickens is definitely that guy. And I think he's, well, and he about. already has some of that, that wide receiver diva in him and, and the Steelers know to pick really talented diva wide receivers. So, I mean, you just gotta, you gotta trust it. They, they picked a crazy person and yeah, that means he's an athlete and an absolute stud. Yeah. Well, and you're also burying the lead a little bit like Chase Claypool, who is supposed to be the wide receiver too in this offense behind Deontay Johnson. No, dude, that, zero, that's the real Houdini. He had zero points today. And like Pickens went off, yeah. so it's like he he yeah. dropped the ball to get to for an interception. Yeah, like it was it hit him in the chest, and he just kind of gave it to the other team. Yeah, doing his quarterback zero favors in a lot of ways. Uh, my tight end of the week, tight end pickup. Uh, this guy's tight end twelve on the season. He's owned in twenty one percent of leagues. Tight end's always a we say it a lot. It's a bleak position, but if you need someone to plug and play, I think Hayden Hurst is very worthwhile. Uh, he's kind of turned into the number one tight end in Cincinnati. He signed there this offseason. And we're going to be talking about nicknames here in a minute. They've been giving him a great nickname in Cincinnati. It's a uh, Hearst Trap, like Thirst Trap. And I think that's pretty clever. Okay. So uh, if you want something fun, yeah, if you want something fun on your team, go with go with Hayden Hurst. Yeah. And then for me, it's, it's going to be Bobby Tunyon. So he, I think he only had one catch today, but it's for a touchdown. And like, that's literally, that's what Robert Tunyon's all about is he's Aaron Rodgers, like red zone guy. Um, if you're, if you're struggling, right, you're just hurting when it comes to getting, uh, getting any kind of tight end production, you know, you have Kyle Pitts in there. Like, I guess Tunyon might be your, your real fun, uh, um, just, you know, how do we, how do we want to gamble on it this week type, uh, type pick. So I, I mean, again, it's, it's bleak out there. So this is just kind of guessing games yeah you gotta play somebody so yeah i like robert tunyon as well 
All right, so for our power rankings of the week this week, we're going to be looking at our top five sports nicknames of all time uh, across sports. It's not just football. So let's break it down from five to one leading up to our very favorite nickname. So yours is pretty, pretty apt. So it starts off with your number five. Yeah, uh, I've talked about him plenty of times in the pod. We talked about him today, but I love me Mitchell Titty Boy Trubisky. Uh, You know, back in college or high school, he had a tweet that came out that was, I like kissing titties. And that reason alone has made me want him to be a successful professional quarterback. It's unfortunate. It just hasn't quite worked out to this point, but it doesn't matter. I can talk about Titty Boy and people know exactly who I mean. They don't think two chains. They think Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky just a walking meme. Like he also has a MVP, the Nickelodeon most valuable player. Uh, I didn't really know what you meant by Titty Boy for the longest time. And then I saw the tweet like two or three weeks ago. I was like, oh, that's what Jimmy D's been talking about this whole time. I thought it was just a play off the fact that his last name was Trubisky. And that kind of sounds like Titty, but it definitely fits. And that tweet is I oh, Come hilarious. on, I'm, I'm more creative than that, man. <laughs> yeah, that that is a, that is a great nickname. So it, it's a worthy number five. I did magic with my number five slot. Uh, this is for Urban Magic Johnson. Um, and basically, the origin story from what I know is he was basically just called Magic all growing up, specifically in high school and whenever he went over to Michigan State. Uh, it's You know it's a good nickname whenever people call you by your nickname more than they call you by your first name. Like I remember growing up just thinking his first name was Magic, and I thought that was super cool, and then I found out it was Urban. Um, so yeah, Magic. Like it, it, People have tried to have the Magic name at some point, and you think like Magic Mike or whatever, but when you think of Magic in your name it's always going to be Magic Johnson. So very iconic. Uh, that's, I think the point you bring up, right, is you just said Irving Magic Johnson, and that might have been the first time someone's heard the name Irving. Like, yeah. Even though Irving's a really cool first name, like he is Magic Johnson. Yeah. So uh, that's how you know it's a great nickname. And I think same for me, right? Dr. J. You know, I mean, you could say Dr. J. Everyone knows who you talk about. You use his actual name, maybe, right? So... And it's just a sweet name for basketball. Like he's got a, that sweet, sweet J, Doctor J, man. It's, it's it's a good nickname. Yeah, and you can just immediately picture what like Doctor J looks like too. Like you're gonna see a cool guy, big fro, like Doctor J. Just kind of encapsulates yeah. everything that he was as a player. Uh, my number four might be a little controversial, but I think it's an incredible nickname. Controversial in that the player doesn't even like to go by this nickname, but the Slim Reaper for Kevin Durant. He prefers different nicknames, whether it's KD or the Prophet is what he really wants to be known as. But the Slim Reaper, Reaper works in so many different ways. You know, he's skinny. He's been one of the skinniest prospects of all time. Man could even do a singular bench press at his pro day whenever he's coming out of college. And then Reaper, like he just kind of sneaks up on you and kills you right in the fourth quarter. So the Slim Reaper, a great nickname, organic, wasn't even made up by him. And he just refuses to go by it. And that kind of just adds to the lore a little bit. So uh, the Slim Reaper for Kevin Durant is just incredibly accurate. The fact that he wants to be called the Prophet, it makes me want to make a, a top five worst nickname so we can put the Prophet on there like three times. Yeah, like, I think the big part here is like you can't make up your own nickname. Like if you make your, up your own nickname, it's just 10 times more corny. So bad. <laughs> so do you think he's going to get on Twitter and, and is, does he like go on his burner accounts and say, yo, KD needs to be called uh, called the prophet and then realizes he's on the wrong account or how does that come in? Oh, definitely. He's got all the burner accounts. I really hope he replies to one of our tweets and says something about our podcast. That, that would be the highlight of this podcast if that actually happened. I would be so happy if Kevin Durant actually knew we existed. 
So then for me, I, I got to go two guys' nicknames here, uh, but it's the Splash Brothers, you know, uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. I mean, they just anywhere the second they cross half court, that ball can go up and, you know, 50-50, it's going in. Those guys really revolutionized the game uh, as they came to Golden State. Really, I, I think it's just one of the most fitting names because, man, they, they put it up. The players on the other team don't even box out. Like they're like, "Oh shit, that's going in!" Like everyone in the stadium thinks that ball's going in. Like it's they they are the Splash Brothers, and it's I think pretty solid name. Yeah, yeah, and especially with like their gravity and everything too, and that they can hit it from any single spot on the court. Like Splash Brothers is extremely accurate, and I like I like how it extended too. Like whenever they added Jordan Pool in the last couple of years, now it's like Pool Party, kind of going off that like water <laughs> yeah. theme. Big fan. Like they do very good marketing over in Golden State. Um, you have to, man. If you're in the Bay, you got to have good tech and good marketing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you got to wear the the power vest, you know, that like Patagonia vest. You got to do the whole thing. Uh, my, exactly. My number three is an NFL-related one. Uh, this might be a little bit biased on my part, but it's my list, so I can do what I want. I love Transformers. That was one of my favorite things as a kid. And this one just fits in super well with one of my favorite players as well, which was Megatron for Calvin Johnson. Um, the origin of this one's a little sketch. We don't really 100% know when or how it happened, but it came whenever he was uh, leaving from Georgia Tech and college right before he went number two overall to Detroit, and it kind of just stuck throughout his career. Uh, he definitely kind of had a Megatron-type career where he went in with a bang and kind of came out with a bang, didn't have a super long career, but it just fits so well. Like The the man was a machine. Like His... his blend of size and speed and jumping ability and catch ability uh reliability as well those are a lot of abilities he just did a little bit of everything and he's going to be the model receiver that everyone's trying to get for years to come he may not be the best receiver of all time like that's definitely jerry rice but like when it comes to like potential and body type like it's always going to be megatron and no one encapsulated a robot more than calvin johnson yeah, and the way he could make his body look, I mean, just like transform shapes like midair, I, I think that alone is like Megatron just fits so well, right? And then like they tried to give Minitron to Julian Edelman, and it's like don't don't take away from what Megatron's able to do. Like that's cool that Edelman can have a few big games, but like this, this guy's on a different stratosphere. Exactly. Man could be triple covered and he's still open. <laughs> he's still open, yeah. And so for me, I'm going uh, another NBA nickname here, but I love uh, the Hick from French Lick. Because I feel like nothing better really states who Larry Bird is other than just that classic country boy from a town no one's ever heard of. Because I guarantee if you're not from the Midwest, you do not know where French Lick is, right? Like if I don't say the state, 50-50 chance people know where he's from. (laughs) Um, But just like he seems like the kind of guy that even in his prime, uh, like for the NBA, he could walk up to a pickup game of basketball and he might get picked fourth or fifth like everyone's gonna be like oh that dude can't like he can't move i'm not picking like you know i mean they're kind of like left right and he just gets out there and balls out he can only fit a credit card under his jump he can still pull up rebounds still i don't know about dunk but you know get out there and get it get after it yeah you gotta love you some larry bird you know you've put magic on here i gotta get larry in there yeah definitely two iconic nicknames like nothing better than 80s basketball so i'm glad we got some representation on there uh, mine's also NBA related for number two, but definitely not as good of a player, but also similarly lunch paley. I went with Sauce Castillo for Nick Stoskis. So the origin story of this one's very strange and it is deep on Reddit threads, but 
basically what happened is Nick Stauskas, when he was with the Kings, uh, pulled up to a game and they were trying to show the starting lineups for the game on the Megatron or on the on the, the, the big board or whatever you call it. And they Jumbotron. Jumbotron, thank you. I got Megatron on the na- on the on the brain. And they were trying to show Nick Stoskis, but randomly there was a typo and it said Sauce Castillo on the broadcast instead. And ever since then, that was his like ordained nickname, Sauce Castillo. It's probably just some stupid intern just typing in some stupid name. Uh, but it stuck extremely well. It just kind of fit who he was as a player, which was just a pull-up kind of guy. He wasn't like an overly splashy player. But he definitely had the sauce, and he was super white, and like Castillo kind of gives you like some like Mexican Spanish vibes, and it, it just fit really well. It's one of my favorite origin stories, and it's it's dumb, but it wasn't it wasn't manufactured. It just kind of what happened, and he had to roll with it. So no, I like that well, one because I didn't know who this guy was, and to your point, like that's just a beautiful like just transition into a nickname like a dude that can just have a good joke at his own expense of like i don't know who that guy is but it's me now right like that that's fantastic yeah it's kind of like a superhero name right like it just like got ordained to him and he just kind of had to roll with it so yeah so then before we get to number one here mike evans is popping off he's got a second touchdown already it definitely looks like this buck offense is like you only want mike evans because he and tom are pretty fed up with everyone else yeah but drum roll for number one right you you talked to me off the podcast or you know off air if you will earlier like the NFL just is not on the same level as NBA as far as nickname goes like they really try to force some things like I don't know like um I can't think of I think Herm Edwards maybe is the guy he calls Tom Brady Captain America and it's like I don't I don't know if I love that one that's kind of cringy like for some reason there's eight goats that are also active in the NFL because depending on which, you know, media talking head you are, you just say the word goat to get clicks and it's really cringy. Like NFL's rough, but for me, one NFL player just truly highlights his nickname. He has the best nickname. He's got to be proud of this nickname. Other teams fear this nickname. And that is of course, big Dick, Nick, Nick Foles. Mm. This guy, Mm. he's known for having an absolute hog, but he's also known for, uh, really having that big dick energy, man. He goes out there, he slings the ball. He might be a backup quarterback, but he'll still put up a, a Super Bowl MVP type performance, you know, a seven touchdown game. The dude just goes out there and exudes confidence. You got to love the guy. You got to love the nickname. I'm a big, big dick Nick believer, even though he beat my pets. Yeah, he slayed the Patriots. He he did the Philly special. There's a reason that the <laughs> Eagles have a giant statue of him and not Carson Wentz outside their state. Hey, to, so. to slay the dragon, you must have a hog. That's that's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, talk about a good organic one, too. Like, Nick Foles had the most anonymous career up until then and then just made a legend of himself. So, what, what I think guy. even there was a, like a pregame before the Bears played the Eagles in the playoffs. Matt Nagy made jokes about it, but was like, just said like the word like thick or girthy like 10 times in an interview, just kind of like as an, an homage to Big Dick Nick. So like people know. And then his teammates are like, yeah, that dude's, he's packing heat. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Shout out. <laughs> My number one, not as good as Big Dick Nick, I will admit. That one's all time. But mine is Pistol Pete for Pete Maravich. This one originated whenever he was in college. Dude was just a sniper. Uh, He's the all-time leading scorer in college basketball points. And that was without a three-point arc, mind you. Some guys have gotten close, like J.J. Redick, Doug McDermott. But that was with a three-point line. Pistol Pete just did it off of pure 
offensive firepower. And then when he got in the league, whenever he left LSU, he just continued doing the exact same thing. One of the best shooters we've ever seen. And it just fits like the, the alliteration's great. The, the P with the P and P fits perfectly. And yeah, it just, it fits. Like you, you think of a pistol, you think of shooting and that's exactly what Pete Maravich did. And also like, Talk about coming in with a blaze, and then he also died uh, at a fairly young age as well. So the, the legend of Pistol Pete is, will just l- run on how, forever. How did Pistol Pete die? By chance, just out of curiosity, how did Pistol Pete die? I, I don't really remember. I I, I don't want to say wrong and you know tarnish his good okay. name, but it, I, I was just very nervous. You're gonna say a car crash, as you just said. He went in with a blaze and out with a blaze. It's gonna be like, God damn, dude. No. Let's have a little. Uh, little respect here god no god no i wouldn't do that it it was either it was like some sort of complication with a uh drug of some sort or it was like a uh just like weird natural causes i'll I'll look it up real quick okay oh regardless pistol p is a great name yeah undetected heart defect and he died at 40 Uh, okay he died at 40 while playing a basketball game because of the heart defect so pretty legendary yeah, absolutely. Died doing what he loves. So, uh, those are our top five. So, we'll just recap. Uh, I have Magic Johnson, the Slim Reaper, Megatron, Sauce Castillo, and Pistol Pete. And Jimmy D has Titty Boy, Dr. J, Splash Brothers, the Hick from French Lick, and Big Dick Nick. So, a lot of alliteration there. I love it. I know. Love the alliterations. All righty. So, Sunday Night Football's going on. We want to go catch the end of this game. It's looking like a barn burner right now. So, anything yeah, else, Jimmy D? Can I ask you a question? Well, since it's halftime, you know, there's no reason to rush off. I got a question for you, and that's, are you willing to admit yet that the Bills are better than the Ravens, or do they need to beat the Ravens like three times this year before you'll admit uh, it? It has happened more than once, for sure. Uh, okay. Lamar Jackson so, was stunting on them. Sure. It was literally just a matter of a field goal versus a touchdown decision. Like losing by three points, like anything can happen in a one score game. So, uh, yeah. Hey man, you got you got to play four quarters, and the Ravens did. If, That's all I got to say. Man. Bateman, just, again, I don't want the Bills to win, but they keep winning. Like, Bateman, you have to admit it at some point. If Bateman doesn't get hurt, they win that game. That's all I'm saying. Like he just no, needed, he, <laughs> he just needed another target, and like he just didn't have Bateman that. Bateman was point. not the X factor there. Dude, it totally was. You, you, you sleep. Lamar throwing interceptions was the X factor. They, I, honestly, the offense was pretty inexplicably bad in the second half. Like I didn't get to watch that game. And I want to watch the fan. highlights, but yeah, bad, bad, bad look, bad look. But hey, it's a full season. We got 17 games to go, so you never know. Not, well, not to go. Well, not to go, but 17 total games. <laughs> yeah. 17 to go if you count the Super Bowl win that they're going to have. I don't think no, because it's not a 21 game season, right? It's, or what? He's the best you can do is 20 and 0. Oh, true. Right? So 16 games okay. ago. Almost. Math is hard. I guess unless you're saying they're not going to get the first round by, then they have to win four playoff games. Exactly. But then that would be that'd be 18. Fuck. I don't know. We're not doing math here. <laughs> Whatever. They've got I think that's I think that'd still be 18, so maybe you're right. They didn't yeah. go back to the 16 game se- uh season. Like I don't this... know what's happening anymore. Like what's the quarter season? What's the half season? Like I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> Yeah, this, it's ridiculous. It's Absolutely absurd. Way too confusing. Or at least add, add a bye week, so it's 18. So then at least you can pick thirds really easily, right? Yeah, I fully agree. And like when it comes to like fantasy too, once we start having the bye weeks, like I never know what week we're in anymore. Cause like, and I don't know who's like the top scorer anymore. You really have to start looking at like fancy points per game. But then it's like, did they get injured like a quarter of the way through? Like it's a, it's a whole mess. But that's what we're here for, you know, just being able to suss a lot of that out. So it's good yeah. stuff. Actually, I think now in hindsight, it is technically an 18-week season because there's one bye week. So I guess you can do thirds pretty easily. 
have to make it through week six. Fair enough. Dang. <laughs> All right, math. Everyone's here for math. That's the moral of the story, but I'm good if you are. Man. Yeah, let's get out of here before we break All our right. brains. See you guys.